Welcome to Common Room's Perfect 10 series. Uh, we have 10 minute conversations with DevRel and community leaders live on Twitter Spaces. We host a new leader on Twitter Spaces every Wednesday morning now between 10.30 and 11 a.m. Pacific time. So watch out for those announcements in your feed to set your reminder. I am Rebecca, the head of community at Common Room, which is the intelligent community growth platform that helps you deepen relationships and build better products. We endeavor to help you act community to empower your business and tap into that user-led flywheel. You can find a thousand more community leaders in our Uncommon Slack. You can learn more about Common Room at commonroom.io or the Uncommon community at commonroom.io slash uncommon. So usually I serve a list chat with today's guest, Jeremy Daly, since I am, full disclosure, his co-host on the Serverless Chats podcast. But today I'm community chatting with Jeremy. He's an AWS hero. He's the general manager at Serverless Cloud. He's the author of the weekly Off by None newsletter, which I think has, oh my gosh, I'm going to do the math wrong, but probably over 700 issues. And he's the creator and mastermind behind the Serverless Chats podcast, which he has been doing for over maybe maybe two years now, Jeremy. Um, and we're at episode 130 something. Um, and he's been building the serverless community for years by creating content with and for them. So Jeremy, hey, may the fourth be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I'm super glad you're here. Let's give people a brief intro to the guest du jour, you. So what do you do and how did you get started in the serverless community to set a little context for people who are perhaps new to the serverless space or the developer relations space? Yeah, we only have 10 minutes, so I'm going to give you the super quick version. So started a web development company in my college dorm room uh, in the late 90s, built the company out of that, sold it, startup, 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 got to a point where I decided I was going to build in the cloud because that's where everything was happening. That was in uh, 2010. Um, did that for a couple of years, was at another startup, had a massive outage because of a spot on um, Good Morning America that basically crashed our app and we didn't scale, though it was in AWS cloud. Uh, got into this idea of Lambda, started playing around with that, fell in love with it, thought it was the future of development um, and just uh, how things were going to progress into the future. Uh, and then started writing and blogging about it in 2018, eventually started the serverless, um, the uh, off by the newsletter 2018, I think that was. Uh, so I think about, I think just about 200 issues, or close to 200 <laughs> issues math. now, not 700, oh but that's, well, I would have been writing that since like, you know, 2000 or something like that. I didn't get that many issues, but, um, and then the podcast followed in 2019 and uh, you joined me, what, a year ago now, something like a that? A year ago. Or, yeah. So, um, and yeah, so that's where I've been. And then I built a bunch of open source projects trying to fix, you know, the gaps in um, serverless development and trying to make life easier for people. And, um, you know, a lot of people appreciate that. So uh, I just, it was amazing. I connected with so many people, connected with you, connected with uh, people all around the world, started speaking at conferences and I'm um, actually in San Francisco right now. I'm going to be speaking at serverless in the park tomorrow, um, which is beautiful and beautiful Berkeley, California. Uh, so yeah, so that's just how it goes, you know, just, help people and uh you know share your knowledge and uh get to know people and and you end up you end up here <laughs> um well i think you're very singular and unique so you end up maybe somewhere like jeremy but not exactly jeremy you're a special bird i'm also doing math on the fly uh, wow it's like trying to enter your password when someone's watching or <laughs> right. like trying or to get your like someone's watching right yeah yeah your two-factor auth before the time goes away that's that's hilarious but thank you for correcting that um so let's talk about some of your community building through content you know a lot of folks are trying to grow and connect their technical communities and um, there's blogs podcasts newsletters right and and many of those uh, mediums and formats of which you have created before continue to um so how did you choose the mediums 
in like in order to grow that you chose in order to grow your own technical community around serverless? And then how do you activate and scale the community through your content? Yeah, well, I mean, so every every bit of uh, you know, sort of work that I've done has an origin story to it in terms of, of why I chose to do a particular thing. Um, you know, in terms of blogs, which is I was writing blogs about other things before this a lot on product development. I, I was a VP of product. Ended up, um, I took a brief step away from deeply being in technology and, and did a lot with product. And actually, that was a super exciting uh, role that I had because it got me closer to the other side uh, of the technical aspect of it. So um, I think it just made me a better technical product manager. Uh, in in that regard, but uh, but what I what I found sort of crossing those two chasms was um, you know connect between product and uh, and then of course the technology that powers it, uh, and so I found there was this connection, especially with. Um, with serverless, when I started writing more about serverless was that, you know, you're doing a lot of product development and technical stuff on the fly, as well as infrastructure and all these other things. So it's mashing all these different disciplines together. Um, and there's a lot of bits of this that I think were, um, you know, weren't quite as obvious if you if you didn't straddle both sides of the fence for a couple of those different things. So when I started writing blogs, um, you know, a lot of it was about security. Uh, that was one of the first blogs I wrote about serverless and hoping that we could get to a point where we said, you know, look, uh, security first and here are the things you have to think about with security when it comes to serverless and how that translates both from the front end product to the back end product as well. Um, and so I wrote a lot about that. But what I found was is that experience and sharing your experience and things that you knew, especially in the early days when there wasn't a lot of content about this, was super helpful. Um, but the reason why I was able to be humble and write the posts that I wrote and, you know, besides just sort of finding out things on my own, um, was the fact that I was learning from other people. So I was reading a number of blog posts that other people were writing early in the space. Um, and I was doing a ton of research because I was just deeply into this. And I said, this is really dumb that I'm spending all this time trying to find all this information. And then, you know, like I, I, other people have to be trying to do this as well. So I said, I'm just going to do a newsletter. And I, there were a few serverless newsletters out there at the time, but it was like three or four articles every week. And I'm like, this is not enough. There's got to, I mean, I'm finding hundreds of articles per week. So I started going through those, put those together, started the offline newsletter in September of 2018, I think it was, and started sharing those. Um, and then once I started sharing those, again, you know, I, I got to meet people and people were super appreciative. I always did the star of the week and I started getting invited to conferences. So then I started going to conferences and here I am with the privilege to do that and sitting, you know, in a coffee shop or a bar after a talk or just in the hallway, having conversations with amazing people who are having the same problems I have or different perspectives and things like that. And I said to myself, well, this is unfair that I get to have these patients and so many other people around the world, for whatever reason, don't get to have these conversations. I said, let's start. A podcast and I'll just have this conversation with somebody and record it and then be able to share that with people. So um, so that was those are sort of the origin of the, the three major things that I was doing with blogging and, and the, the, the newsletter and the podcast. Um, and then, of course, the all of the open source projects I did resulted simply from me having problems saying, again, this is stupid for me just to solve this for myself. Why why not sort of solve this from the community and get community feedback and support and, and be able to, you know, basically hopefully solve most people's problems. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of the open source projects that I've created I think I, maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating this, but I think a lot of them influenced AWS in terms of the features that they've added to their products or what they've changed um, in their products to try to uh, you know try to bring them closer to what the community actually wanted. So um, again, maybe uh, maybe overestimating that uh, influence there, but certainly was um, was nice to uh, to see that AWS responded at least um, you know by by incorporating some of the some of the things that uh, or some of the ideas that the community brought to the table. I mean, having worked at AWS, I don't think you're overselling it there. And I think that's the whole point of community, right? And having trusted community members and, and community product fans is that product teams are able to empower the business by building products users love faster 
and directly incorporating community feedback. Um, so I want to talk about something pretty unsexy really quick, though. You know, you have this newsletter, you have podcast, um, you are 100 blog posts a week reading. That's amazing. Um, let's talk about cadence really quickly, because I think a lot of people, as they're trying to scale their content or like get their content out there in order to bring their community together, they're like, you know, do I do a, a daily wrap up? Do I do a weekly coverage report? Do mm -hmm. I do it only monthly? And so I'm wondering how you landed on the timeframes you did to see if you could give other people a little bit of a framework for setting expectations around what it takes to create a certain cadence of content and then what the reaction has been from community members. Like, are they thirsty for more? Does it feel overwhelming? How have you structured that? Yeah, right. I think the biggest thing is not to overpromise and not to do something that, that you, that you can't keep up with. And I think that's certainly one of the, the things that I, that I ended up running into is I have a lot of open source projects right now that I just don't have time to maintain. And there are a lot of people submitting PR requests and things like that. And I'm like, I don't even have time to look at these, um, you know, because I've been so busy uh -oh. with a, a number of other things that I've done. Um, you know, and, and to try to keep up something, I also did this reference architecture project. We tried to do this serverless spotlight thing, come up with these quick little videos to highlight a bunch of different people. And it's just, there's so much that you have to do to get content right and get it out there and get it at a high enough quality um, that you really have to, you really have to be honest with yourself about how much time you have um, to dedicate to these things. And so from a cadence perspective, like posts are one of those things where consistency is important, especially if you're trying to build the following, you can't write a blog post. And then expect if I read a blog post five years later that, you know, now I've built an audience, right? I mean, you, it's one of the things that you have to be really consistent with um, in order to do that. Um, the other thing in terms of where I just make a suggestion, if you want to do things like wrap ups or newsletters or things like that, um, I have experimented with a number of different things over 187 issues or whatever um, I've done for the, for the newsletter. 700. It's 700. Um, and I've asked, um, I've asked people, uh, you know, I've asked the readers for feedback and so forth. And there's, there's a mix of feedback in terms of whether they just want the links or they want commentary. And I've always found that when I just get a list of links without text, without commentary, um, or without your own thoughts, I mean, people have to realize that they, how they feel about a particular thing or what they, how they interpret something is important. And it's interesting to share. Um, so, you know, just to me, just sending a list of links, isn't very exciting. I much rather get into like why I'm sharing a particular link or why I think this particular thing is important. Um, you know, and again, it's it's very hard to do when you're sharing 70 links per week. Um, but uh, but I try to take a, a number of those links and give some context to them as well. So um, I mean, the consistency of the newsletter is something else that has been a challenge. I had to write a newsletter um, on the plane back from Italy one time when I went and spoke at uh, Servos Days Milan. I you know wrote the wrote it while I was on the plane. Actually, yesterday's newsletter I wrote while I was on a plane headed to San Francisco. Um, so you, you got to find time to do those things if you're going to stick to a schedule like that. So I, my, my advice is pick a time frame or pick a schedule that can work for you, um, that you know you'll have time to do, and then just try to be consistent about it. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is consistency and just don't, don't, don't overpromise yourself because it is just, uh, it is very frustrating. Con creating content should be fun too. It should, you should be wanting to you love what you share and love sharing what, what you do. Um, and if it becomes a chore to you, then, uh, then, then you're in the wrong headspace and, and, and you probably should rethink what your, your uh, strategy is. Totally. I imagine if you love, love, love being that plain movie watcher, then you might want to reconsider that weekly newsletter cadence. Um, Jeremy, do you have two more minutes? I got a couple questions. Yeah, uh, I have plenty of time. Yep. Awesome. And then we will, just so everyone knows, I'm going to open it up to hand raises. So if you want to raise your hand and ask Jeremy something, um, we'll spend a minute uh, for that as well. But so Jeremy, you're the GM at Serverless, uh, Serverless Cloud, and mm -hmm. that you're obviously looking to build up the serverless community, both to empower, you know, individual members who are, you know, either newcomers or 
experts in the space, um, but also to empower the business, right? That feeds back into your business so you can build products that users love, that user-led flywheel. How do you see com- community empowering serverless cloud? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big thing for, for us is that there is a huge serverless community out there right now and a number of products that you can use to learn a number of frameworks that you can use to build serverless applications. Um, and I think that the, the contention that we've made with serverless cloud is the fact that most of these products that are out there now, whether it's the serverless framework, whether it's SAM, whether it's CDK, whether it's architect, whether it's any of these other ones, um, is very much so that you have to focus on the primitives and you have to understand how the individual primitives work. And what I mean by that is that you need a Lambda function to run the compute. You need API gateway to handle um, you know, the, the, uh, the actual HTTP connection. You, how do you implement WebSockets? How do we grow, do GraphQL? What does the database look like with DynamoDB or whatever the other services are? Um, and then for each one of those individual primitives, there's a whole world of nuance um, to those, right? And then there's a nuance to how they get connected and you add step functions and event bridge. It gets very complicated very quickly. And so to get started in serverless with your simple hell world is as easy as using SAM or the serverless framework or architect to just say, you know, respond to a get request and say, hello world, easy. But the second you try to build something real, it gets incredibly complex. You've got teams at Liberty Mutual and uh, Lego and other companies that are building what are called serverless enablement teams, um, where essentially they're putting in place patterns that other developers can just reuse. And I hate the idea of developers reusing patterns and not understanding why those patterns actually work. So what we're trying to do is get rid of the idea of having to implement patterns and having to implement the underlying uh, primitives and simply have those patterns codified in an abstraction. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do with, with serverless cloud. And so um, the idea is to say, what are the patterns, right? So for the people who are in it that know that like, I want to build a WebSocket or I want to build GraphQL that does this and has subscriptions and has this other thing that fires up to an event and whatever, it, knowing those patterns are important, but then being able to implement those patterns into abstractions is a very difficult um, undertaking. And so providing the right level of control as well as ease of use um, is, is important. So for a company like a Liberty Mutual or a, a, you know, or a Lego or some of the other ones that are building these types of pattern libraries, Matt Coulter, obviously big, uh, known for the CDK patterns library, um, rather than having to build those out and then sort of codify them where their developers just have to pull them off the shelf and use them, we want to codify those for everybody, all right? So that anybody can just go in and create a, a modern application. And serverless is probably you know, a misnomer to use for the type of applications we've been building lately, but um, just this idea of building a modern application. So the community can go in and say, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's the use case that I need to. And then rather than, you know, it certainly offers suggestions as to how the, the backend for that might work, um, but really more so just enabling what are the patterns they need to be able to accomplish. And then, and then us as a team working with them and working with the community to figure out how do we implement that abstraction in a way um, that makes it super easy to use and f- easy for newcomers to understand, um, takes away that complexity of wiring all those things in the background, but still having that community support and understanding of what the limits need to be, what the, you know, how, how that needs to be implemented and type of controls that, you know, they actually need to have. So I don't know if that's a great answer, but essentially that's where, you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, we want to go with, with uh, you know, with community around this. Because again, it is a closed project right now um, and that might change in the future, but, but certainly now it's, it's understanding what people want to build um, and then providing them the tools to do that. Yeah, and I guess to make that like a little bit more concrete too, have you seen moments where you are perhaps going to prioritize something differently on the roadmap or, you know, launch a feature um, and then you got community feedback and you're like, we want to build products that our community members and customers love and you actually sort of maybe reprioritized or changed something based on that feedback to get to that iterative process and that like best possible product faster? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the funny thing is, actually, is, you know, we, we've come to a point in development, and this is one of the things that is really interesting about where we are with cloud now. And, you know, Charity Major says this all the time, you, know, you and I interviewed her, and, and she talked about this, where essentially, like, the only place you can test a distributed system is in production, right? So you can't, <laughs> you can't have a few users banging up against something and find all of the rough edges. Like, you're, you're not going to find that until you have real. So enabling the ability to see what the issues are, um, and try to catch those and and uh, and, and uh, sort of mitigate those issues in a real world scenario is is the only way you can do that with distributed systems, or at least the only way you can do it, you know, with with uh, uh, more efficiently, I would say. And the same is true of building a developer experience tool, which is essentially what serverless cloud is: is that it's supposed to make it easier for you to do these things. So when we open this up and users run into these things where they say, "Well, it's really hard to do this," or "I don't understand this," or "This abstraction," or "This uh, the." Uh, you know, just the, the the wording doesn't make sense, right? Like it's got the wrong connotation or whatever it is for the, the, the word we chose or the, the naming we chose for a particular thing. Um, if that doesn't make sense to people and it made perfect sense to us, it might make perfect sense to us because we argued about it for two hours until we came to a decision where we all agreed on it, but we probably influenced each other's decisions. So when you get that out into the community and the community can say that doesn't make sense or this doesn't work the way I expected to and so forth, that we, we've seen that a hundred times at least um, since we launched this, um, where, where feedback from the community of saying, you know, that the, the, the workflow doesn't make sense or the pattern isn't right, or, you know, it, it, it doesn't, the, the semantics aren't correct. Um, these are the things that, that you learn very, very quickly. Um, I mean, this is just listening to your users, right? But there's, you know, certainly your users are a community in and of themselves. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen that. I, uh, yeah, what a humbling experience when you're able to get not only out of your own head and then you bring it to a team and then things change and then you get out of your team's head and bring it to, you know, your community. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, thank you for pointing out all these things that we thought we had looked right. around these corners. Um, so you're also a community member, right? You're a member of the serverless community. You're in it to also serve it. You are an AWS serverless hero, have been for a long time. Um, just out of curiosity, what makes you feel most valued as a member? This is such a big thing that community leaders and managers and hosts are trying to make sure that their community members actually feel valued and that they want to be a part of the community. So as a member, what makes you feel valued? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, for the part, it's just, it, it's just the knowing that somebody, knowing that something you did, something you contributed um, is helpful to somebody else um, and, and getting that recognition is is hugely uh, is hugely rewarding in it, in itself um and i think you and i've talked about this in the past where it's you know you do this sort of you know out of the goodness of your heart in a sense right you share this information about um you know what learn uh, you know, you write blog posts, you do those sort of things, you talk to, you go to conferences in a, in a sense to share things um, because you want other people to learn them as well. But it's incredibly valuable to you. You know, it's a learning experience for you as well. But then, but when people recognize that and say like, that really helped me, right? Like sometimes it's one line in a blog. Sometimes it's one diagram that you did differently than somebody else did. And that was what flipped the switch in somebody's head. Um, Right. And so that's the, that's the kind of thing where when you get that feedback personally, that you help somebody that is incredibly rewarding. And then on the other side of it is, is that that happens, it, it, you get the reciprocal benefit of that, um, where other people then go and they, they're inspired to write something too. And they write something and then you get the benefit from that. So, um, I mean, the, 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 the community itself is just, you know, extremely welcoming uh, the the pms and the the da's at aws as well as uh, the other clouds uh, also are super helpful they want to be part of it um and it's just yeah I, again i don't know if that answered your question but i mean it basically is it, i i feel um i feel like you're you you belong to something bigger 
here. Um, and, and, uh, and the fact that you see people helping each other, you know, and, and to jump in and answer questions is just, is just a hugely wonderful thing to know. And then it also makes you feel like if they're answering their question, will they answer my question as well? Yeah. And I think you're, you know, from a business point of view, right. As a company, you're like, okay, we want to be able to, you know, co-create that user-led flywheel. But what you're also talking about is there's a community-led flywheel where one person creating a piece of content that helps another person understand that then inspires them to create another piece of content. Like there is actually a very um, generative process going on there, just the community helping each other. And then ultimately, as there are questions around a product or something, then the company gets to step in too and say, okay, how do we make sure that we are serving the right content or building the right products and features that you actually want to write about and then use. Um, so there's probably some beautiful diagram that someone could make around the community and user-led flywheel from a business and community member point of view. Right. Jeremy, thanks so much for stepping in today. We will be back with Kurt Stetzel from Realtio um, in about a month. And instead, Jeremy saved the day um, and decided to up the ante and come on in and join us this morning. So thanks so much, everyone, for joining. And Jeremy, thanks for being my co-host, my friend, and most of all, a super inspiring community member. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.